Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. My guest today is Dr. Mark Rudolph. Uh, Dr. Rudolph does the, exactly the same thing that I do. He is a hospitalist. Um, but at the same time, he is deeply embedded in the fabric of the sort of membership organization that many, many, many hospitalists are a part of, the Society of Hospital Medicine. He is a senior fellow of hospital medicine. And he chairs a committee that I was lucky enough to be selected to. It is the Society of Hospital Medicine Patient Experience Committee. Um, and Dr. Rudolph is here to talk to us a little bit about, first of all, just what this concept of patient experience even is, why it's important to the Society of Hospital Medicine. Obviously, we take care of, you know, tens of thousands of patients a day in the United States. Uh, and this is something that really is becoming more and more important, or at least being recognized as being more and more important. Uh, so it's, it's important for us to then be able to open it up and, and tease out what are the kind of the key elements, what are the drivers, why are we even doing this in the first place? So Dr. Rudolph, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Great to talk with you. So let's, let's just, like I always like to do, I like the historical perspective. That was my, that was my degree in, as an undergrad. Take us back a little bit to the part where the recognition of the experience of the patients we're taking care of not only is recognized as important, but is recognized as being a priority for the entity that helps educate and bring together all hospitalists, basically. How did that, where did that shift start to come from? Well, that's an interesting question because I think uh, although it clearly started to take a very clear shape with some of the government initiatives around quality and reimbursement tied to quality and, and one of those quality measures being patient satisfaction or, or patient experience, I think even before that, as our economy turned to one of service there became more of a focus on the, the quality of the service being provided, not, not just the technical service, but also the, the um, sort of comfort type of service being provided to our patients and their families. And so I feel like there was, there were murmurs and discussions about patient satisfaction before the surveys in, in healthcare started launching uh, and, and people started realizing that both from a business perspective to be successful in healthcare, uh, one had to be mindful of the quality of the service itself being provided and, and thus the, the patient satisfaction. Um, and, and really, you know, for many of our hospitals and many of our providers, particularly those in uh, private practice, they are well aware that their success as an organization or as an individual is is dependent on the, the patient's perception of the quality of service. So I think there's sort of been two levels to um, to the efforts being made now. One relating to the initial focus on uh, on service in our economy, and the next one being the government initiatives that that actually stood to impact hospitals and providers by way of measuring their their patient satisfaction efforts and success. It's interesting. It's almost like sort of a, a great awakening in medicine because we're way behind other industries in terms of recognizing what we do has an effect on the people that we take care of, not just in trying to get them to feel better, but mentally, emotionally, psychosocially. And it's not something that we'd really talked about very much. You know, I finished my training in 2006. 
I don't remember patient experience being on the being on the kind of core curriculum. I don't remember it being something that was role modeled very effectively some of the time. You know, th- this is really the the rising sun of what every other industry is has tried to become very very good at. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't remember any focus on this sort of thing either during my training or medical school. I mean, maybe like a couple, you know, maybe we spent an afternoon talking about the emotional needs of patients yeah. and, and, you know, and communication and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it, it's absolutely true. And even, you know, it's kind of unfortunate and it, it does have to do with the culture of medicine and healthcare in this country is that we've become so reliant on what we can do technically for people, you know, the yeah. technology and, and the, you know, all the developments, um, you know, the incredible developments in, in the drugs that are available to us, all the tools that are available to us. And I think we've clearly lost sight of some of what is our responsibility as healthcare providers and healers, you know, a term that we don't typically use that often in referring to healthcare providers, but it really is true. I mean, our, uh, you know, the history and, and the culture, the essence of medicine has to do with healing. And if you go way, way back, people didn't have much to offer patients other than communication and reassurance and, and, and simply being with them and helping them to accept whatever predicament they were in. So I think you're absolutely right. We're, we're really far behind uh, other industries in terms of recognition of the importance of patient satisfaction and and um, and customer experience, um, and additionally, we still have you know somewhat uh, loud voices sometimes within our own field that um, question the value and the importance of patient experience as relates to measure measuring quality in healthcare. I think that you nailed the disconnect perfectly. We have perceived. We being the docs, the healthcare providers, the industry, for the longest time, we perceived the patient experience, what the patients were experiencing as being, I prescribed the right medication, you went for the correct procedure, you had a good surgical outcome. When in reality, when you look at the drivers of patient experience, it has nothing to do with that. It's, did the patients feel listened to? Did they feel like they were cared about? Did they feel like the people that were looking after them were experts? Those are the main levers of patient experience. It's that, and again, I mean, we don't want to be too hard on ourselves, but there was a little bit of arrogance, I think, for a long time that we're doing the right thing here by being the patriarch and telling you, you need this procedure, you need this medication, equating that to being an effective patient experience when it's not. And like you say, there are still some voices that say this isn't germane. They're wrong. I don't have a whole heck of a lot of time for, for voices like that. We need to be moving forward because that sort of ivory tower approach, it's day is over. Right. I, I mean, I absolutely agree. And, you know, the challenge really is in messaging and conveying yeah. the importance of patient experience to the folks within our industry in a way that is really meaningful to them. And, and I think, I think that, you know, one of the things that, um, that I, talk about when I discuss these issues with people and try to get them to come around a little bit is, is simply the idea that, you know, the focus on patient experience does not, um, does not mean that anyone thinks that the technical quality of the care is not important. Right. So, 
you know, especially when we talk about communication, for example, a lot of people kind of feel like, you know, okay, all right, so maybe the patient wasn't totally clear on this, or maybe I could have said something that was a little more empathetic, but listen, I cured your pneumonia. Like, what do you want from me? (laughs) And and, what do you want uh, from me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, so we're not dismissing the importance of the savvy clinician. Right. One of the things that, uh, that I've always said is, you know, you got to provide the right care and the right communication. And why can't we do both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that really is ultimately the message. You know, I think particularly for providers, when they start hearing things about, you know, um, redoing uh, wards in the hospital with, you know, all kinds of fancy amenities and somebody playing the piano in the lobby, blah, blah, blah. Sure, you know, that that's nice and that's important. Those are things that the hospital needs to worry about. That's, that's not our bag. I mean, we're not, right. you know, we're not asking people um, we're not asking people to, uh, you know, run a hotel um, or simply just do whatever is asked of them and whatever is told to them by patients. You know, we do have a responsibility still to provide guidance to our patients about what is the right care for them. So yeah. sometimes we are going to have to tell people um no. I mean, to be honest, I mean, yeah, we yeah. sometimes tell people, no, we just have a professional responsibility to explain it in a way that they can understand and, and provide other options. Right. So, so I do think that that's the challenge. I do think that people are coming around and understanding the importance, and especially when they take a few moments to focus on these things and, and they can actually see for themselves how the patients and the families react, they start to realize like, oh my gosh, I, that really did make a difference to that person. And that's one of the interesting things about this, about the Society of Hospital Medicine, basically having the foresight to form this committee to focus on the patient experience, because, you know, what the committee has been able to do, I'm a part of it, and you're the chair. I think the smart thing that you kind of helped guide the committee to do was let's just before we launch into a big curriculum and more stuff people have to learn. Let's just define exactly what it is we're talking about. Like you say, people, uh, physicians, when they hear patient experience, it brings up a lot of reaction. So we have to start from a common ground. We have to have a common understanding of what does patient experience mean for a physician? And then we can build on it in terms of developing a curriculum and developing communication strategies. So obviously you've had a, a, an outstanding essay that was published just recently in the official publication of the society of hospital medicine, SHM called the hospitalist. There'll be a link to it on the website and I'm going to tweet it out as well, but give us that definition. I mean, we, we had a lot of conversations around this as a committee. How did we, what did we come to as a conclusion to say, this is our starting point of defining patient experience. Yeah. I, I think that the committee really, did a fantastic job of identifying um, the essence of patient experience, particularly for the sake of a provider organization, right. a professional organization like the Society of Hospital Medicine. And one of the things that 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 folks hit on, and this really was this was kind of a this is a really fun group effort. I, for anybody listening who's ever tried to get a group of 15 people to come up with a definition of something. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's really, it's very challenging, yeah. but um, the, the, you know, the essence of the definition ultimately came down to everything that we say and do. Yeah. Um, now the, the, the full definition is everything we say and do that affects um, patients, thoughts, feelings, and well-being. but really everything we say and do the, the level of accountability there, I think is what was really resonating for the members of the committee uh, we, you know, we're constantly interacting with patients, families, and other healthcare providers throughout the, the hospital setting. 
And if we are not fully aware of and accountable for all the things that we say and do, whether they're clinical decisions, communication, uh, other sorts of professional participation decisions, if we're not cognizant of those things and the impact of them, then, you know, we're, we're simply not living up to the expectation that the, that the whole healthcare community has of us, which is that we are leaders. And so um, in impacting the patient experience, we, you know, we have to be accountable for everything that we say and do. And so in my mind, that was really the, the, the beauty of what the committee came up with and, and the way that we can also reach out to the rest of the membership of the Society of Hospital Medicine to say, hey, listen, this is critical for us to focus on as healthcare professionals. And, and we, we also, you know, as directed by the board uh, of the Society of Hospital Medicine, very appropriately, they said, you know, you need to convey a message to the membership of this society that this is of critical importance. So that was, you know, really what was driving us to to sort of take an avenue like this. And when, when this came together, you know, I was obviously, I was delighted to be a part of this committee. I'll be honest, I was pretty proud to be a part of SHM that they were forward thinking enough to say, hey, in addition to all of the didactic curricula we need to have, uh, we also need to have this focus on the patient experience. We're the first professional organization to really make this a pillar of education. Um, and, and I think there's some, there, there's something to be said about that, but it does bring us then to the first major hurdle. This is a skill set that we are expected to be facile with. We're expected to understand when I say we are expected, it's because our patients are expecting it. Families are expecting it. Those who are observing the work that we're doing want us to have it. There's more and more awareness outside of medicine of the need for a well-honed patient experience, but there is a definitely an education gap there. There is a space between where the docs maybe feel a little uncertain about, okay, I, great. I, I, what do I do? How do I, how do I get to where I need to be? Um, and we now have a difficult charge to help people bridge that gap without feeling like they've screwed up. Like you do feel in residency, right? You identify a skill gap, but you're made to feel crummy about it. You're made to feel it's a negative. You're being remediated. You've done something wrong. That's not what's happening here. But how are we going to bridge that gap? How are we going to bring people in the fold and say, look, this is a, an important shared purpose. We're in this together as opposed to you guys all suck at this and go figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That the, uh, the you suck at this approach is, is usually not that, not that effective. It's not that effective, um, but unfortunately in medicine, a lot of times it's what we're used to. And that is a real problem. Correct. Yeah, right. There's no question, right? There's no, I mean, it's an unfortunate thing. I mean, the culture of healthcare, there's no room for mistakes. Right. You know, if, you do, if you, if you uncover something that you're deficient in or that wasn't quite the right thing to do, then like, <laughs> you know, you've, you've, you've really screwed up and right. you, you, know, you should be ashamed. Um, <laughs> right, so I, right, I, right. I, I do, I, I do think, you know, part of this starts with um, the focus being on professional development and supporting, you know, our colleagues yeah. in this effort. Um, th that also is something that is pretty foreign to most of us. I mean, you know, there's not a huge focus on, on independent development as we go through all of our training. I'm sure we're learning and growing in medical school and residency, but it's kind of like after that, you're you know, approximately 30 years old, you're set free. And a lot of people are just like, I'm at the top of my game. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is, is in any other industry, everybody knows that, you know, at that point you're a newbie and you expect all kinds of development opportunities and you want feedback and you want to learn how to improve. And so I think, 
introducing those concepts into medicine is really going to help. And, and as the focus on quality and performance increases within healthcare, I think it, this will be something that's, you know, it's, it'll be less of a you suck versus like, hey, here's just how you're doing. And here's tools to help you do this thing better. And, and so that's been within my organization, that's been our approach. Um, in terms of working with providers on, on the patient experience improvement communication skills has been to say, hey, listen, here are some things that are, uh, you know, a combination of both common sense, some of them are evidence-based, um, and, and they're, you know, people agree that these things are important. And as you pointed out, when you survey patients, I mean, every survey that's ever been done of, of patients and customers says that they want people that listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're on the phone with their bank or they're on the, you know, they're, they're, they're in a doctor's office. They want to be interacting with people that listen. Yep. And so, you know, offering training and educational opportunities to providers so that they can focus on the things that can can help them improve in this regard. It just has to be couched in like, hey, we're supporting your professional development as a as a healthcare provider. I mean, that's you know that's what this is. One of the uh, things that I've uh, that I've found to be very very helpful. It, it resonated for me, kind of going on this own journey myself. You know, several years ago, thinking like you say. I feel like I'm maybe at the top of my game. I've been doing this for a while, but there's no way that I am. I mean, I need to be able to get better. I, I want to always be improving. Is this, this is one of those ones where when you bring a new curriculum to any large group, they oftentimes will feel like, Oh my God, this is another thing that I have to do. And I think we can all speak from the physician side that you feel like there's a lot of new things that you have to do. This is one of those that we can, we can reframe, I think a little bit and say, look, this is something that you get to do. You get right. to have this opportunity, this incredible opportunity to not only prescribe the right antibiotic to cure the pneumonia, but to help access what those patients' goals might be or, you know, what their, what their concerns were, what brought them to the hospital in the first place, these sorts of things. You get to hit those three levers of the patient experience to help someone feel like they were listened to, that they were cared about, and that the team taking care of them are experts. I mean, that's the central calling of medicine. I mean, that's why, you know, you go back to your med school essays. I want to be a doctor because I want to help. I want to be of service. I want to take care of people. I want to connect. I want to learn that this is it. And right. that, that I think is an exciting way for people to think about reconnecting with some of these core pillars of why be a doc in the first place. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that, you know, you're, you're right on the money. This is, in a lot of ways, the patient experience is that is the core essence of of being a doctor. I yeah. mean, you know, I like to think of it this way, and I think you know, if, if I am recalling correctly, at, at the SHM annual conference a couple of years ago, I think Bob Wachter alluded to this, which was that you know anybody can write the orders for the medications. I mean, one would hope that the majority of us are going to treat the same patient with similar therapies and, and make similar decisions. So what, you know, what differentiates us, uh, particularly as technology moves along and, you know, computers start to spit out decisions that we may end up using to determine what care is provided, what's going to differentiate us as providers? Well, it's going to get back to the whole communication piece again. Yep. I mean, that's the thing that's going to make one, you know, one person capable of being a quote, great doctor versus the next person being a sort of okay doctor. And so, you know, what kind of doctor do you want to be? I mean, I, I, for, for me, 
um, I, at least half of what I am providing to patients and families is is the communication and just the human comfort factor. Yep. I mean, with, without that, I, I I mean, I personally feel like I absolutely have not done my job, and and I would hope that most other people feel that way. But on the uh, flip side, when you do it. Those are the days are like, oh, I'm doing the right thing. This was a hard day. This was a tiring day. But you know what? I connected with them. They connected with me and my team. This was what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you made the point about like, you know, there's so many things going on. I don't have the time, et cetera. I, you know, ultimately, these things do not take more time. No. No, um, they're mean, time neutral just, at worst. They're generally their their time savers. When you connect with someone and you're aligned and you have shared decision making and a common purpose, things move much much faster. No question. And I mean, if we think about, I mean, I think everybody would acknowledge that you know there are a lot of patients who don't necessarily share sensitive questions or information because they're afraid. Yeah, they think it's not. They think it's not relevant. They're they're scared to know what the answer is. Um, but so we have to provide the space to allow those things to come out. And the only thing that's going to allow for that is, is, is trust and our, our asking for, you know, what their concerns and questions are. Is there anything that we didn't talk about just mm -hmm. now? What, what, is there anything else you wanted to try to um, get done while I'm here today? You know, whatever style you want to apply to it, um, that door has to be open and you're absolutely right. It's going to save time ultimately and um, it, it's just going to lead to a much better connection that I think is incredibly fulfilling, not just for the patient and the family, but for the provider. And I'm always, there, there's one thing that happens, I'm sure everybody's had this happen, um, but it always, it just makes me feel good, um, which is that, you know, you're having a really rough day. You're in the hospital much later than you thought you were going to be. And you're walking down the hallway and you go past the patient's room, one of your patients, and they see you and they say, Doc, shouldn't you be home having dinner by now? And, <laughs> and I always think to myself, I'm like, you know, that's kind of fascinating. This person's actually, they're looking out for me now. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, 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 they took the time to acknowledge what, what I'm dealing with, you know, by being in the hospital late into the evening, et cetera. You know, that's a real, that's real connection. That's when, a team. That sort You're of on thing a team happens. with that patient. They're, they feel like they're part of a team. Exactly. And that to me, you know, even that quick acknowledge, I mean, I think most people would appreciate the fact that their patients notice that they're working hard. Yeah. And so, you know, those, all those connections, however, you know, small those doses may be, I mean, to me, they're invaluable. So that, you know, again, it just underscores the value of, of making an effort uh, on all these things. And one thing I think people don't realize is that this, these are not the, you know, communication expertise is not something that comes by, you know, reviewing a couple of pages of material and just like the next day you just start doing it. I mean, this is stuff, a lot of this stuff is habit and it takes years to develop. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't make somebody who's one year out of residency behave exactly like a physician with 15 years of experience, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, these are just things that take time to some extent. Yeah. No, I, I think that you and I can can obviously sound the rallying cry. I think we can get people pretty fired up about this. I think, you know, the, the committee and, and this sort of stuff, we can get people excited about the concept. We can frame it in ways it's going to save you time. You're going to have that tremendous professional satisfaction. But now we have to get people where, where, you know, we're still trying to get to, right. Cause this is a never ending journey, but there is a, there is this gap that I think some people are going to feel like maybe they do have, 
where are we going to go moving forward to provide people with that tool set so that they can have things that, again, it becomes a habituated behavior. You know, this is going to be one of the goals, I think, of the committee and also of SHM, but I think medical training too, so people can start to develop this toolbox. What's our road forward going to look like from the, from the perspective of SHM, from the perspective of docs who work in the hospital to get this ball? We, we've got people fired up. Now we've got to build. Now we've got to move forward. How are we going to do that? Yeah, I think that that's a really good question, and I don't think that you know, it's probably not a one-size-fits-all for every hospitalist group just because people have very different resources and very different challenges um, within their facilities. But I do think we can provide best practices, you know, uh, best practices and, and the tools that go along with them to help people move forward with certain certain activities. And I think in particular, those activities are ones where people get meaningful, individualized feedback about what they're doing. And those, you know, that actually can be a lot more challenging than um, than one would think uh, because, you know, the surveys themselves, the HCAP survey obviously does not provide, it really does not provide individual provider level feedback. I mean, it can provide a sort of gestalt yeah. about somebody's performance compared to their colleagues, but it certainly doesn't tell you what specifically you could do differently. Um, whereas things like bedside surveys of patients that could potentially provide that information, uh, providers being observed while they're seeing patients and then getting feedback, mm -hmm. you know, based on that. I think that those kinds of activities need to just become part of what we do as healthcare providers, you know, no matter what the setting really, but particularly for hospitalists, because, you know, we don't ever, I mean, typically there's no one else in the room with you and the patient. Um, yeah. you, you kind of just do in a performance in, in a, in a vacuum, as far as getting feedback is concerned. I mean, think about any other professional setting, I mean, particularly like athletes and performers, I mean, right. you're constantly being watched by zillions of people. Like yeah. you never have any question in your mind how you're performing. Right. right. It's a very difficult uh, dynamic to have good physician coaching because yeah. getting them in that room is, is a, is a trick for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's that's just something that we, you know, needs to become yeah. the norm yeah. rather than the exception. And it's challenging on a number of levels. Number one, just getting people to buy in and understand right. the value, the resources, you know, the resources to pay for stuff like that. Um, but I think it, it just needs to it needs to become a part of what we do. And, yeah. and hopefully SHM, you know, the committee can help to sort of point people in a direction that's that's useful regarding these activities. One of my other mentors on this subject, Steve Beeson, who obviously talks a lot about this sort of thing as well. One of the things that he talked about, and I'm a firm believer, one thing that we don't want to do. Um, in order to kind of get that buy-in and you touched on it a little bit is we don't want to make it seem like we're teaching to the test with respect to H caps. You know, the minute that we say, if you do this, it's going to improve your H cap scores. <clears throat> I think most physicians eyes begin that rapid roll that we all have experienced. We're like, nah, you've lost me. This isn't about teaching to the test. This is about doing things that are great for your teams, good for your patients, great for you professionally. The H caps will take care of itself. Um, if you're doing the, if you're building a skill set and you're engaging with your teammates and you're engaging with your family, that you're, the families that you're taking care of, this is a scalable thing. All that other stuff that patients get in those surveys, it takes care of itself. Um, we don't, I, I personally believe we don't want to be telling people we're teaching them a framework to get them good HCAP scores. We're getting people a framework to 
build a career that you can be really excited and satisfied about. Like you say, six thirty, seven o'clock at night, you're still working, but you have that dynamic where someone says, Hey doc, what's going on for you? What's, you know, that's what it's all about. H caps. It takes care of itself when you're doing those things. It's lower on the priority list for sure. It's more about building that dynamic so that, as you say, you're tired, you're beat up. You can, you, you can lean on your patients as much as they can lean on you. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's not, you know, H caps, the H cap surgery never, I don't think it ever, you know, truly motivated a provider. No. Um, other than to say, you know, they can potentially be used to generate a little bit of, um, you know, ho- hopefully um, effective um, and, and camaraderie based competition amongst providers or teams of providers, That's et cetera. Interesting. Yeah. But, no, I like that. But, the other thing about it too it, is it does yeah, show that we're yeah. accountable. I mean, it does just, Hey, look, this is right. a skill set that you are now accountable for, but let's figure out ways to do it where we press other important buttons as opposed to just trying to get an A on this test. Like we're used to doing in medical school. Yeah. There's, there's no question. I mean, I, I think that the focus needs to be on the, the experience of the patients, are they comfortable? Are they scared? Are they confused? They should, you know, they should be, we should be making sure that they are none of those things that I just mentioned. Right. And to do that, just re- it simply requires good communication. I mean, it's, it's sort of, you know, you can, you can use a zillion analogies, but you know, if you were a doctor and you ended up, you know, unfortunately as part of a malpractice suit and you were reading through a bunch of legal documents, with all kinds of terms and phrases that you have absolutely no understanding of, you'd be terrified. I mean, terrified. But if, if, if an attorney who, you know, represents your, your malpractice insurance carrier has a conversation with you and says, let me go through this. Let me explain to you what this all means. Let me explain the decisions that we need to make and, you know, the potential outcomes. I mean, you're going to feel way better after that conversation with somebody who does a fantastic job of it than someone who kind of just glosses over it. And so, you know, we do, we have to put ourselves in the shoes of the patients. I mean, they have no understanding of anything happening around them. And that is, I mean, that is the reason to do this. And, and I've even, I've had people occasionally say things to me like, Hey, is there any, um, is there any evidence that shows that giving out a business card impacts H cap scores? And I kind of, you know, my response to that is I don't, not that I'm aware of, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really care. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, you know, the pe- there's 87 people going into a patient's room each day. Right. They're, they have no idea who any of us are. I mean, That's you right. have to give people your business card, explain who you are, and say, hey, listen, I want to make sure you remember who I am and that I'm the person in charge, you know, especially if you're a hospital. I'm the person in charge. I mean, that's worth a million bucks to people. That's the lever uh, of being cared for by experts that you've just yeah. hit it. I'm in charge. I'm the quarterback. I'm going to help you out. I'm available every day. My colleagues are here overnight. We're going to connect in the morning. Let's get, let's get going. That's, that's a huge lever push. And it took you seven seconds to articulate it. Right. Exactly. And that, that is, I mean, I think that the communication skills that we're sharing as a committee are not, you know, it's not rocket science. It's not, um, it, it's not proprietary. It's things that people have probably seen, you know, they've seen some or a lot of it before, but it's just a matter of whether or not we are in fact doing those things and, so, and sharing that information with people. I mean, that's, so this information that's sharing that is so important. That's what we're going to be doing with the committee. Obviously there's going to be this series. That's going to be an ongoing thing in the hospitalist publication. Um, I think that 
one of the hopefully unanticipated consequences of this is that we're just going to be starting that dialogue because you don't have a monopoly on this. I don't. The other committee members don't. We're, you know, we, we pay attention to it, but this is shared experience and this is going to require local context. So the team that's in Omaha, Nebraska is going to have a different take on a certain skill set than a team in Miami, Florida. But it's about leveraging that conversation with these, you know, the series that we're going to put out there with the things that are going to go on at the SHM conference with things that are going to happen at this grassroots level to at least have people start saying, hmm, this is an interesting skill. How do we introduce ourselves to patients? What do our patients want? Do you think that that's going to be a key piece of what SHM does and what the committee does going forward is just providing, you know, building blocks as we go forward? Yeah, well, I think providing building blocks clearly, you know, you got to be, you got to have something for people once they say like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like what, all right, so what do I do differently? So you have to have those, those pieces available to them. But I, the other thing I think is really valuable, or, or, or I mean, I certainly hope is valuable about, for example, sharing these communication tactics by way of the individual members of the committee, sort of having a face and a voice around these things is just that, it, you know, it's, it's not, it's not coming from someone's hospital. It's not coming from the society of hospital medicine, at least not direct, you know, a faceless society. of hospital <laughs> Right, medicine. right, right. It's coming, right. it's coming from real people. I yeah. mean, it's coming from their colleagues and it kind of, you know, in my mind, it then sort of becomes an irrefutable, like, oh yeah, I mean, this is, this is what people are doing. Yeah. And if I'm, you know, I, I would hope that people would say like, okay, if I'm not doing this, if I'm not spending any time with my team on this, then we're kind of missing something that's right. a big deal right now. I think you so know that, that the, I, yeah. this is being humanized. This isn't a curriculum that's coming out of a textbook. This is hospitalists who do this all day, every day saying, Hey, let's exchange some ideas around this. I think that that, I think that what you just said is a real grain of, of, uh, power that we're going to have in leveraging this that look, we do the same thing that everybody else does. We're not perfect at it um, by any stretch, but let's exchange ideas on the skills that work. The next level for us is going to be, and you know, all of us have had our own experiences being on the other side of the equation uh, as being, you know, the patient, the thing that I think is going to leverage us to that next level is pulling in that patient voice is people post discharge, being able to contribute, not just through a some random survey they get in the mail, but being able to say, Hey, this was very effective. When this happened for me, this really worked for my family. Or, you know what? We needed this. We needed this to be accessed and it didn't really happen for us. That's really going to be that next level of growing physicians, uh, growing our teams in a way that we feel like, you know what? Hey, we're going to get there. We're going to keep improving, but integrating that patient voice in a way where we don't, doesn't make us feel crummy, doesn't make us feel incompetent, doesn't make us feel like we're, you know, worthless, but also being able to say, look, it's got to be folded in. Absolutely. It, it folded in. And I think to, you know, to get at the piece in terms of, you know, the, the, the critical feedback that people get about how, you know, they may not be doing very well at this stuff is, is the importance of recognition when we do see people performing really well yeah. with, with, patient experience. And I, and I actually, um, I'm turning my head over to my laptop because I just read something that came from, um, one of, one of our, our groups of hospitalists in Florida, but it literally, the patients, the comments that they make, the feedback that they give when asked, I am frequently astounded by the language that they use because it's sometimes it's verbatim 
what we're sharing with with providers uh, across the organization and across the country. I mean, patients actually say things like, and I'm reading this off of my computer right now, it says, I have never had a physician sit down while talking to me at the bedside, and I want to recognize Dr. So-and-so for sitting with me when she visited. I mean, that's you know, this, this is low hanging fruit, world. Mark. It's low it's hanging, very fruit. low hanging, and and it's you know everybody's talking about it, but yep. clearly these are things that are not happening because yep. we we don't necessarily see the value of it, yep. and so sharing sharing the the recognition that people get, and this is also something that we in my organization are really focusing on is is taking advantage of this kind of feedback yeah. and, and giving it to the provider so that they can really see gosh, this really does matter. And so that everyone else on the team can say like, oh yeah, this is really important. Yep. It, but it's amazing. I mean, the patients reference the exact, some of the exact phrases and things that we are all sharing around communication and patient experience. That, that, it is absolutely fascinating. And it's an interesting illustration of the power of leveraging the positive feedback as opposed to the negative feedback, which I think a lot of people experienced in residency. And it kind of gives you that feeling of, you know, resigned helplessness as opposed to, hey, this is, this works. This, I, I want right. someone to tell me <laughs> And I did something great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, right. This is really exciting. I think credit to, to, to you, credit to the Society of Hospital Medicine for having the foresight to recognize that this is a core principle of what we need to be able to do. Everything we do and say when we're taking care of our patients is essential. And uh, it's going to be a really interesting journey going forward. There'll be links to all of this material on our website. The committee is going to continue to publish these once a month. But, you know, I think all of us really hope that this is the sort of detonator for a big dialogue, for a, you know, a rapidly disseminating cloud of information that helps people say, hey, this is good stuff. This is positive stuff. This is a career rejuvenator. It's a time saver. It's an institutional priority. Let's get after it. So this is going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun few years watching this disseminate and watching the impact that it has and watching it grow. Yeah, it's very exciting, very dynamic time. And uh, yeah, and, ho and hopefully this is the, the beginning of just continued efforts around patient experience. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be following along. Um, and as things develop, as things change, as physician buy-in increases, as patient experience evolves, we'll need you to come back and, and help reshape the conversation so it's always moving forward and we're always moving up. Thanks, Mark. Uh, that would be my pleasure. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show, and you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.